It's been 10 whole months since the last time you've heard these two voices. So like how we always start it, I'm Bradley. I'm Kevin. And this is season three, episode one of House of Sparky. That's the live studio audience we have back there, you know, giving us the round of applause. You guys can't see them, obviously, but there's probably like 200 people here. It's, it's not great just to us. Be back in front of them. It's been a while since we've had a live studio audience. Because of COVID, we didn't even have one Mm-mm. last year. Yeah, and yeah, don't worry. It's definitely not just us sitting in our room in our little homemade studio because that would just be weird. But um, before we kind of expose ourselves, Kevin, it's been two games now. We started this podcast a little late. We wanted to get settled in and kind of start the school year off before we gave our true passion, you know, to you guys out there. We need to switch studios. Exactly. And so based on the first two games, what are some good, bad, and ugly that you've seen? Uh, well, let's start off with the bad. There, you know what? Let's start off with the ugly. I don't see any ugly, so that's a good thing. But the bad is the start against UNLV was not good at all. I mean, the defense looked very lackluster. Let them drive down the field two times in a row. Um, the good is the halftime adjustments. I mean, Herm Edwards had the team in there at halftime. He said, get your stuff together. And they came out of halftime in the UNLV game, and they absolutely dominated. They looked like a top-20 team when they did it in the first half, and uh, that was very good to see. Yeah, I definitely agree with you. I think I'm not really going to repeat exactly what you said, even though I'm kind of in the same ballpark here. But I do think the best thing I took away is that Herm Edwards still knows how to coach, and he still knows how to give a halftime speech because we came out in the second half of that UNLV game with our hair on fire. You know, one of my friends texted me, the Rebels are coming for you, in all caps. He was talking all this trash, and, uh, well, obviously, they never really showed up. Do you know somebody that goes to UNLV? No, and that's the worst part. You know, he's just kind of a hater, right. but uh, we'll leave his name out of this. You know, we don't, <laughs> Dawson, we don't need to get him going at all, like, any of that stuff. You know, because um, I've never met anyone that's ever gone to UNLV. I don't didn't even think it was a real school, to be honest. Yeah, I mean, I think it's in Vegas, but I could think of like 15 other things uh-huh. to do in Vegas before attending UNLV. Um, but, you know, with all that said, no disrespect to UNLV. I'm sure you guys have great education. Just your football team's really not great at all. Yeah, they put up a stat that showed they have their, their all-time record is terrible, remember? It's like 25% win percentage, something like that? Yeah, they haven't been to a bowl game since 2013, which kind of leads oh. us to our next point, actually. You know, we've played two schools like in a row now that have just not been very good in Southern Utah and UNLV. Um, both these teams are, you know, we're expected to win. We come in with a 99.9% chance to win, 34-point favorites and all that stuff, so... You know, especially being in Tempe, you don't want to come play in Tempe. It sucks, especially during this time. It's so hot. The keys are loud and everything, you know. We're kind of crazy out here, and we haven't had football in a while, so, you know, we're, we're angry and we're ready. So uh, I'll tell you a story. I was leaving uh, a class last Thursday night. I got a five, uh, I got a, like 515-ish. Class is supposed to end at 545. Got a, like 515-ish. Storms of yellow shirts coming from all the freshman dorms already. The game started at 7.30. This is two hours and 15 minutes before. People are already going to the stadium. I mean, we could hear the keys from our from our apartment here. Oh, yeah. You know, we're, our apartment is uh, pretty close to the stadium. So, yeah, we could hear the keys, but, like, the game we didn't go to. And, you know, I'm ready to jingle my keys. I cannot wait to do it. So that's why I'm sitting here, and I'm looking forward to next game where we play 23rd-ranked BYU. And... I look at that team as they're a solid team. I mean, I think they beat a Utah team who people thought were a lot better than they actually were. Um, And that's just kind of how Utah is every year. They're just, people think they're a lot better than they actually are. 
But uh, I think that this next game against BYU, it's in BYU, so that's probably the hardest part of it. But it's finally going to show the nation why we should be higher than 19 because the fact that UCLA jumped us after just one win while they were unranked before kind of leaves a bad taste in my mouth, personally. Yeah. The thing is, we can't come out flat again. Mm-mm. That was that was bad. And just to play, I heard you said that Herm is on great coaching. Just to play a little bit of devil's advocate here, I think, honestly, his preparation going into these games from a coaching standpoint has been very poor. Like, he doesn't have the team ready, it appears. The team comes out. I don't know if they're just – if he's coaching saying, hey, this is UNLV, not that big of a deal. But you just can't keep coming out flat like this. I'm hoping he'll do better with this BYU team and have ASU ready to roll. But we cannot just come out so flat on defense, like on our heels, just letting up easy passes. We're playing very soft defense the first half. Yeah, and the worst part is, is that's not the type of game we play, and it showed in the second half. Um, we lead the nation in turnovers. We've been a great turnover team. This has been in the past, uh, I think, 14 or so games it is now that we've led the nation in turnovers. But we're a hard-hitting team regardless. Our corners go up and make plays. You know, they always do the big thing. We still have Chase Lucas, you know. He's going to get the strips. He's going to get some fumbles and everything. Jack Jones, you know, he's a 175-pound guy. That's a bowling ball at 5'10 coming at you. Stolen from USC, too. That might be the best part. Oh, yeah. You know, that's the best part. And uh, while we're here, I just want to give a quick shout-out to one of my friends out there. Um, You know him, too. His name's Jake, Jacob Mark. And uh, it's funny because he was talking all this stuff about USC, and they find themselves out of the top 25. Happy trails to their coach. He's out of here. Yeah. I mean, I couldn't even imagine losing a coach on this season. I mean, Herm is... He's here for the long haul, you know. He's Sun Devil faithful. He's probably bleeding maroon and yellow. But I look at this, you know, as a real big positive because we have sophomore DeMonte Trainum back. You know, he he missed last Saturday's game against UNLV with an ankle injury. And, you know, you saw Daniel Nagata kind of get hurt. He was holding his wrist, but uh, it was just a quick dislocation. So I was popped back in. And since we were dominating, we didn't really have to bring him back in. But you know what I loved out of all this is Herm was talking about how we're all healthy and everyone knows you coach to win the game. You know, you play to win the You know his quotes. Leave you know, on the grass. Yeah, he's just the master of saying stuff. So, Kevin, I don't know if you heard, but he did mention this when someone asked him how our running back room is because people were getting a little scared that we had those injuries. And he said, someone could have a tummy ache tomorrow, might not show up, but right now they're all available. And if that's not the most Herm Edward quote I've heard, I don't know what is. It's classic Herm. Just keeping it light uh, with the running back injuries. Um, by far, the running backs have been the most po- the the best part of this team so far. Just three headed snake. They can do whatever they want, whenever they want. But the thing is, this game on Saturday, they're not going to be the only good backs. Tyler Algier from BYU, he's a dog. He had 102 yards rushing against that stout Utah defense. Um, he's going to be a problem. They give him the ball a lot. He had 27 rush attempts last game. Um, He'll be a problem. He'll wear out the defensive line. But I think that'll the game will be won in the trenches, as we always say. I mean, if we can stop the running backs or if they can stop our running backs, I mean, that's that will be the key. That's my key to the game, per se. Yeah, and I have to agree with you on that one again, Kevin. And look at us starting this year with two agrees already. I mean, usually yeah. we're in each other's faces, like disagreeing about minor things. But, you know, I'm, I think the chemistry is really starting to come in right. season three here. Yep. But, you know, ESPN has us on, like, the, their ESPN football power index, whatever, FPI. They have BYU as a 53.3% chance to win. That's why ESPN is failing. Yeah, I think that that's kind of bogus, you know. I don't know how they could really 
beat us? Because I think that we can run the ball on anyone. I really think so. I mean, you saw it last year in the short amount of games that we played. We were running the ball down people's throats. And Daniels doesn't make mistakes. And, and look at the evolution. I mean, two years ago, we were young, 19-year-olds, you know, and every single time we'd get on here every week and say the offensive line losses the game. The offensive line losses the game. That was the one thing we could agree upon. Yeah, you can go back and look at season one and every single episode – Except maybe two, because I specifically remember giving them a shout out. Yeah, we gave them one. Uh, we gave them a weekly clap one. Time. Yeah, I remember that because we still haven't handed out our weekly clap, so don't worry for the fans out there. That's coming back. But we're finally here. We finally have the O line that can one protect Daniels and two. I think above all, our protection is still a little shaky, but our run blocking is fantastic. They're mobile guys. They are a little small, and I think that's why our pass blocking does have some holes in it. But they can just run with the backs, and our backs are patient, and our backs are not afraid to run you over either. They run downhill, the backs and the other line. You know, it's kind of a it's kind of a benefit that they're small. You know, they always say get low when you're blocking. When you're blocking, you want to get low, get under them, and drag them. And then, I mean, they just create so many holes for these running backs where you see them not get touched until five, six yards after the line of scrimmage. Yeah, and that's not just in these two games against these lackluster teams. You know, this is. All of last year in the games we played. We were great last year running the ball, too. We only had a few games to show it off, but, you know, it was all there. And while ESPN has us as the quote-unquote underdog, Vegas, who's never wrong and never loses, has us as a three-and-a-half-point favorite. You know, so we're at minus three-and-a-half. The money line is minus 170. If you want some easy cash this weekend, why not throw, like, a couple bucks on there? It looks like 77% of the population who, who bet on this game took ASU minus three and a half. So, you know, 77% of the population knows ASU is better. It's just that ESPN doesn't seem to uh, think that for some reason that I can't seem to understand. You know, and this is another common theme with the show. It starts to get a little repetitive because it's always us being an underdog. I remember when we played Cal two years ago. I told you that they were not really a top 25 team, and this was our best chance to beat them and get into the top 25. We did just that. We beat them, and ESPN had us losing to them. And then the best part is Cal isn't even in the top 25 at the end of the season. So once again, Kevin Foster and Bradley Rowe outsmarted ESPN. But ESPN, also, if you're hiring, I'm still here. So no disrespect there. I think you guys could. You guys are a great company. Uh, but the over-under is 51.5. So there's going to be points. They're projecting, they're projecting points. But I think the reason it's not going to be super, super crazy is because the game's going to be going. Because we're both going to be trying to run the ball. So the clock's going to just keep on ticking, keep on ticking. But you know, what Kevin, do you always say during football games when the clock's going down? Oh yeah, keep yeah. on ticking, keep yeah. on ticking. That's fine. You know, it's just little, little kicks, and eventually you're gonna bring them down. You're gonna get sore. You're gonna get all bruised up. You're just gonna crumble, and that's the type of football we play. Because Daniels isn't gonna get these 400-yard passing games. You know, we don't have the Frank Darby's anymore. We don't have the Brandon Ayuk's anymore. But that's not that's not that big of a problem because we have the Demonte Trayman's. You know. Yeah, we have the Daniel Nagata guys who can just win the battle in the trenches. Set up the play action because Daniels is going to deliver the strike when we need it. You know, he's a very accurate quarterback. His one interception this year was kind of like a miscommunication, it looked like. He just threw on the opposite shoulder. But, uh, you know, we still have that 6'7", Johnny Wilson, who's just can win basically any jump ball. I, right. It's pretty hard to lose a jump Except ball at 6'7". He, uh, he did smoke that one in the opening drive. Yeah, that's the interception but, I was talking yeah. about. It looked like a miscommunication, but we'll just leave it at that for now. But, you know, if we look at our side-by-side stats, which Kevin's going to take you through here, we're pretty dominant in most of them, I would say. 
Uh, yeah, I would say so. I mean, the, the quarterbacks right now look even on paper, but to be honest, they're really not. I mean, Jaron Hall has put up good numbers throughout these first two games, 347 yards, five touchdowns, compared to Jaden Daniels, 307 yards, two touchdowns, and one pick. But we also got to remember, Jaden Daniels played, what, a half and, a, and, and some change in the first game? He'd probably be like 450, 500 yards if he played those games. And, I mean, just the way that our offense runs now, we give the running backs the ball a lot in the red zone, so that's why his touchdowns are a little skewed as well. I don't think there's any doubt that Jaden Daniels is a better quarterback than Jaron Hall. Um, and then we go to rushing leaders. Our rushing leader right now is Jaden Daniels, but, I mean, we're talking about Demonte Trayman is our number one back. And as I talked about earlier, Algier is a great back for BYU, so that'll be a great matchup. I think that's the most even one out of all of them, to be honest. Um, I still would give the nod to, obviously, Demonte. He's a beast. He's a tank. Even if he's a little banged up, he's a, I think he's a really top back in the country. Um, and then the receiving yards, that's, that's a little different because their top wide receiver is probably better than our top wide receiver. But we have a bunch of different guys. We have Bunkley Shelton. We have Pearsall, who was a star of game one. Wilson. Johnny Wilson, yeah, as you were talking about earlier. They just have Neil Pau. Um, and he's – don't get me wrong, he's great. He's done a great job, 145 yards through two games and three touchdowns. Uh, that's really solid. But if we can lock him up – I mean, we, as you said earlier, we have Chase Lucas. I'd also like to we introduce him to uh, Jack Jones. I think yeah. that Jack Jones would be a big fan of him. And, and the thing is, we – that's – one of the best parts about our defense, we have two number one corners. So if we do run into a team where you have two great wide receivers, we can put both of them on there. And I feel comfortable with either Chase Lucas or Jack Jones on Pau. So, I mean, I think matchup-wise, we match up very well with this team. There's going to be a lot of scoring, I think, um, which, you know, we're not really used to seeing from like in ASU games of the past. It's been a lot of just games, one of the trenches, like those Michigan games, remember, it's like classic – 15, like 10 type games. Um, but I think this one would be more in the high 20s, low 30s. So, Kevin, on that note, what's going to be your score prediction here? What do you think the final score is and who wins? I think we win, we being ASU, 38-27. Yep. That's the keys jangling because I also think we win, but I think it's going to be a little lower scoring. I think it's going to be 28-17 ASU. I think they're going to come out, and they'll probably be up after the first quarter. But like Herm does, we're going to adjust, and our defense is just going to suffocate them. We're going to force turnovers, and we don't turn the ball over very often. So I don't see us committing very many turnovers this game. And I think that, at the end of the day, is going to be the big difference. And looking for the future, you know, I don't want to look past BYU, but we've been talking about them for some time now. But, Kevin, what do you think about the rest of the Pac-12? You know, like I said earlier, UCLA's 16 now, Oregon's 4. Uh, USC, I just want to mention again, fell out of the rankings. But, you know, the Pac-12 is actually looking pretty solid. Ohio State is no joke ever. I, they are never a easy team to beat, especially at their home stadium. So you have to give credit where credit's due. Oregon, great job, guys, representing the Pac-12 there. I'm sure we'll see you in the Pac-12 championship later this year. But, you know, you look at the rest of our schedule. We have Colorado, UCLA, and Stanford. So after BYU, it gets into the Pac-12 play, and we need to win those games. So how do you see us doing? I think that this will be a great test. I mean, this is one of the games we had circled on the calendar from all up until the schedule came out. BYU was a great team last year. I think they finished, like, 16th in the country. Um, so we knew it was going to be a big game, and obviously BYU has gotten better this year. Or not better from last year, but throughout this season, they've, they've become ranked now. 
Um, so how we perform in this game, I think, will be a telltale for the rest of the season. I think if we perform, we take care of business, we do what we should do on the road against BYU, I really think the sky's the limit for this team. And I think, uh, I don't know if I would say a Pac-12 championship, but, uh, but a date in the Pac-12 championship is definitely uh, in the horizon if we're able to, if we do what we're supposed to do. Because, I mean, if you look at the schedule, UCLA right now, besides BYU, is the only team that's ranked. And that's at UCLA. We'll be making the drive out there like always. We always go to the L.A. games. We're always there. But, um, I mean, I don't know. So, yeah, I think we take care of business, which I think we will, and I think we will end up in the Pac-12 championship game. Yeah. Now it's really early to say that, and I always think positively, but I, I truly do believe that. Yeah, and I look at it, too, and I'm seeing the same thing. I mean, Colorado is no joke. Uh, we saw them take number five A&M to – I mean, it was a disgusting game, super low scoring. They've had our number two the past couple of years. Colorado. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. But I look at them, and they're a solid team. I think they'll find themselves in the top 25. Uh, UCLA, they're 13 now. and That, like, shocks me a little bit. It's I Chip Kelly, you know? Like, yeah. How, how is that possible? Uh, well, he is a great college coach. You need to get your – Negativity he, he towards has, him. It's been what? He's been in the UCLA for what? His fourth year now? Third year now? It's, I mean, he hasn't done anything. Yeah, so I just I look at them, and I don't think they're a number 13 team in the nation. Maybe in the top 25, but, uh, you know, we, there was a lot of buzz going around that LSU was going to lose that game. LSU is not the team they used to be. They don't have Joe Burrow. They don't have Justin Jefferson. They don't have Jamar Chase. You know, they don't have a lot of people that they had when they were LSU beating everyone, dominating. So... You know, that's a little... I would put an asterisk next to the 13. Give them credit where it's due. They still beat a SEC school, you know. So I'll give them a top 25 ranking. But I think that that plays into our favor. Because like I said, I was kind of talking bad about Utah. BYU beat them. So I think BYU and UCLA are going to be our games where we can jump in the rankings. Where we can use them sneaking into the top 25 and playing them early before they take too many losses and us skyrocketing into the top 25. Because I'm looking at that Colorado game. Thankfully, it's at home, but that is not going to be an easy game. I think that that is going to be a tough game, which we'll get into next episode. But I would look at this schedule, and I think the tough games are going to be Colorado. I'll give it to UCLA because it's away. I'm going to give it to Utah just because they usually have our number. I think USC is parents weekend, so you know we're going to come out, and it's going to be a full packed house. So... That's going to be a win for us. And, the, I mean, U.S., when was the last time U of A even beat us? I read somewhere it's been 721 days since no, they won a football I mean, game. It's, they're, they're terrible. They're yeah. a terrible team. And they're coming to – what, we beat them by, what, 70 almost last year in Tucson? And they're coming to Tempe this year? Yes. And we've only gotten better? And I can't they've only believe, gotten worse? I can't believe the NCAA even let us play them. I understand they're, like, our biggest rival and in the Pac-12 and all, but, like – after last year, it's that's just rude. I feel it's like only, it's like it's like a crime. Yeah, I, and we don't want to get in trouble for committing crimes as a school. Right. You know, we don't want to be caught cheating. We don't want to be caught in any sort of legal issues. So you know, playing Arizona, especially the last game of the year, it's it's worrisome because I I don't want to witness a murder on the field. I really right. don't, Kevin. Yeah, no, it's it. It was a real uh, it was a real pleasant thing to see. But at the same time, you know, you're just like this shouldn't be allowed. This shouldn't be a thing. And I'm happy that it is allowed. Because it's just, I don't think there's anything better than beating on U of A. But at the same time, you do have a little soft spot and be like, they shouldn't have to go through this every year and just be our little brothers year after year after year. Yeah, I mean, these are kids who are 18 to 22. And, you know, they're around our age. We're both 21 years old now. And so I look at this and I'm like, those are my peers. 
Granted, they made the biggest mistake of their life going to the worst university in the state of Arizona. So I give them a little bit of like, eh. Not but, even in the state of Arizona. In like, I would say the whole entire southwest region of the United States probably. That's really nice. You narrowed it down to southwest. I was right. trying to be nice, but since we're going there, it is a, you know, no one wants to go to the dirty tea. That's why it's called the dirty tea. Right. No one wants to go to Tucson. But, you know, they made that decision. So I think we have to do it to them again. Right. Yeah. But to get back on track here, I, you're saying we're looking at a one-loss season here? Yeah, I'm looking at a one or two loss season, Kevin. I think we may lose to either Boulder or UCLA. But other than that, I can't really see us losing many games. I think our hardest away game other than that is probably Utah. And based on what I've seen this year, Utah isn't the Utah we've seen in the past few years. So, yeah, I again, I'm waiting to meet Oregon in the Pac-12 championship. And this is wishful thinking, obviously. It's week three we're going into now, but... Hey, we've had Oregon's number. I mean, they were supposed to be in the college football playoff two years ago when we beat Herbert, and he's playing on Sundays now. So, you know, we can go toe-to-toe against anyone. That was Jaden Daniels' freshman year, so that was a true freshman. You know, now he's going into his senior year. That was that big IU game when they got that connection going. Um, but, yeah, I kind of agree with you. The thing I'm most concerned about when looking at the schedule is that midseason, you know, at Utah and versus USC – I'm just worried about like a mid-season lull, you know, kind of just going through the motions. Then you get a pretty solid team in Utah at Utah. Um, that's always cause for concern. It's going to be raucous up there that time of the year. It'll be a little cold up there at Utah, so that's kind of concerning. And that USC game, I think that US USC team is still solid even after that loss last weekend. Um, that's just I, don't, I think we're better than both those teams though. Let me say that. But I just worry about that mid-season kind of lull where you just kind of are going through the motions and might lose a game or two when you're not fully invested and locked in. Yeah, and time will tell. And, guys, we're going to start being active again on our Twitter, House of Sparky. Um, it's actually called Fork the Rest. It's not the official House of Sparky page because we don't have the password to that account, so we just do the podcast. But, you know, we have more of, like, a funny Twitter. It's, like, very relaxed and we kind of we just talk trash and we make funny tweets and memes. So if you guys want to give us a follow, you'll see it. And that's it for episode one. We so. gotta do our we gotta do our pause of the week. Oh my goodness, I almost forgot. I'm gonna Who do give. You think we should give it to. You know what? I'm actually going with a crazy one here, Kevin. I'm giving my applause of the week to Coach Herm Edwards because wow. we were mad to start the game. You know, I mean, they scored ten points in the first half, and then didn't they have like maybe twenty yards in the second half? So that's where my applause of the weeks go to. I mean, if you just go through the UNLV, the, their top leaders, it was their quarterback who was 6 of 14 for 60 yards. He had 43 yards on the ground, and their leading receiver at 27 yards. So you can give it to the defense. I'm giving it to the coach. So that's where my applause of the week goes See, to. I, I am kind of on the same page as you, but I'm giving it to actually defensive coordinator Antonio Pierce. I think he came out. He told Chase Lucas, who's a captain, he said, hey, after that first quarter, because really, the, in terms of defense, the offense didn't really get going until the second half. But defensively, I mean, we were after that first quarter, we were locked in the rest of the game. I think after that first quarter, he got Chase Lucas. He said, "Hey, get your boys together. You really got to wake up. You got to lock in right now. This, we're playing UNLV. I mean, come on, we're playing UNLV. We can't tolerate this on our home field." And I think he made great adjustments after that first quarter, and really just that defense was so stingy the rest of the game. It was it was great to see. Yeah, I agree with you. All right, guys. Well, now that's it for episode one of season three, House of Sparky. 
We'll see you guys next week, hopefully following a W.